This episode is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. It is a Thursday morning, early morning. I am going to set the stage for you guys heading into this Tampa Bay rematch. Obviously, a fascinating um, moment in time for the Washington football team. I guess I mean more that game, what all that transpired out of that closing stretch last year, culminating in a playoff loss to the Bucks, but a game in which Washington showed a lot of promise and there was a lot of reason for optimism coming out of that and what a 10 months it's been since. I'm going to get into some of that uh, and also reflect on where we are uh, going into these final nine games with with this team, helping me do that today on this episode. I've got some great guests for sure. He's back. We had him at the start of the year, the quarter pole, now effectively the halfway point. He is Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch. But in addition to Michael, Steve Wino from the Associated Press joined me for a lively chat. We did a bunch of over-unders, things including how many starts left this year for Taylor Heineke sacks, Chase Young's, uh, Taylor Heineke starts, Chase Young's sack totals, number of wins, predictions on the game this weekend, and a bunch more. In addition, a J.P. Finley cameo, J.P. Finley from 106.7 The Fan and NBC Sports Washington uh, joined us for a bit as well. In addition to that, my colleague Greg Allman, who covers the Bucks for The Athletic, he uh, got on the pod with me as well to, to, to take a, tell us kind of where things are stand right now from the Bucks pers- from the Bucks perspective, both in terms of the where they are right now, and also you know from their end about how they maybe look back on that game uh, ten months ago in January. So a fun couple of conversations there. I think you guys are going to really like. Um, and if you of course missed other podcasts I've had recently, it's been a good run. I mean, look, I, you guys have heard me. I'll be critical of. Myself, I think we've had some good stuff lately. Uh, on earlier this week, I talked to Scott Jackson. We we we, we talked about things that we're looking uh, looking forward uh, to paying attention to over the final stretch of games. Scott Jackson, of course, being the post game uh, radio show host for the Washington Football Team. In addition, um, Chase Hughes from NBC Sports Washington came by to talk about the surging Wizards, who had another massive win last night. I'm not going to talk about the Wizards today, but it is a very fun. They are a very fun watch these days, to say the least. Um, in any event, so we had that, and then if you missed it last week, these things you know sometimes you do a podcast and they kind of die on the vine, uh, you know, pretty quickly because you're you're talking about a game or whatever. Some of these uh, I, I, I think have some really good um, longevity. Uh, to them, I, I had a, a sort of two-part Washington football team summit, part one, a really fun one, pairing together Grant Paulson and Kevin Sheehan, two radio icons in this town who work on different stations. You got to hear them together. I've had some really great reaction from that one. In addition to uh, part two, involved Grant, but also Matthew Berry from ESPN. Yes, the fantasy guy talked, but his favorite team is Washington. And on that episode, our NFL draft analyst, Dane Brugler, broke down um, the, his thoughts on the quarterback class in, in 2022. So a lot to check out. If you haven't already uh, listened, you can, of course, find the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere you do your podcast, which hopefully includes 
on the Athletic app itself, which for this podcast is an ad-free situation. Um, in addition, uh, I've got a new uh, story up on the Athletic today talking about how much has changed since Washington's game against Tampa Bay and kind of getting into some of the reasons what's gone wrong. Obviously, we've talked about it all season. There's inconsistency in quarterback play. The defense hasn't come close to living up to expectations and so on. But it was interesting to look back at some of the quotes from that time, the positive ones coming out of that game from Ron Rivera, Chase Young, and others, but also some of the warnings that Rivera gave in the moment, um, you know, about what could come. And some of it may be coach cliche things, you know, basically along the lines of, hey, you know, we got to stay focused. This is, you know, he, he uses this analogy a lot. You may climb the mountain, but at the end of the year, you start over again and you're at the bottom. And that he, he you know, he was been pretty clear the, 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 so what he said in, in January may have just been to some degree some coach talk, but it's been pretty clear since the summer that he has questioned some of the, um, some of the maturity aspects of this team and so on. And, uh, it's interesting to go back and look at that. So I c- would say maybe go check out that article on the athletic. Uh, there's always a deal there. If you haven't subscribed yet, there's always some sort of a 30, 40% deal off. I, I honestly can't tell you what it is, but like it's, there's always something there. So hopefully you can check that out. And like I said, I think it's a really interesting topic as we go into this week. Um, you know, one thing, um, well, you know, <laughs> I, I guess I would just say that, you know, how we feel about this team right now, which obviously is not great across the board, could change a lot over these next uh, nine games. It may not be ideal for their long-term health to have to, to surge with a bunch of wins, you know, better off, even if you, you say, hey, Ben, you don't have to have a top 10 pick to find good players. Sure, but it gives you more um, options. And, that, you know, it's a better value. You know, if you want to trade, you can get more things tr- if you have the seventh pick than if you have the 19th pick, right? So um, it, that said, you know, if the defense can play better that, down the stretch with Chase Young in particular uh, leading the way, which will be he'll need to without Montez Sweat, then, um, you know, we may very much look at this team differently down the stretch. But right now, look, it's no, we, we get it, right? It's a bit of a slog to say the least. Um, and, and that's also why I really wanted to ask you guys a favor. Um, I obviously have ideas for, for guests and, and topics. Um, you know, I, I try to have a variety of people on the local beat, national people, uh, people who, who tackle specific angles like, like a Dane Brugler and so on. But, you know, I'm curious what you guys are interested in. You know, it, it's a little bit easier when we're t- when we can easily focus on the games at hand. And you know, look, if they shock the world and beat Tampa Bay, then maybe we can get into that a bit more. But you know, it, it becomes a little bit less interesting to a degree to focus on that game on the week's game versus other topics. So do me a favor, hit me up at, on my email, bstandig s t a n d i g at theathletic.com, and give me some thoughts what you guys are interested in. Tell me what guests you wanna. You want to hear from it could be the local people, it could be people on the beat or others in town that you, you know, you, 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 you're curious how, you know, for me to talk to them or, you know, maybe it's like, hey, bring back these people. They're my favorites. Don't deviate from what's working. Um, or, you know, point to some national people. I mean, look, if you point to, uh, Mel Kuyper Jr., I don't know what to tell you. I may not be able to get, you know, so there's some people I may not be able to get, but, you know, if there's some people out there, maybe I'm overlooking somebody. Tell me who you're interested in. Email me, bstandig at theathletic.com. I'm always as curious what the, you know, ultimately this is a, I enjoy doing this podcast, but if you guys aren't listening, um, then, you know, what are we doing? So uh, I'm, I'm curious what you guys think. So hit me up there. All right. Let, let's get to some updates 
regarding this team um, coming off of Wednesday's practice. Wednesday isn't the final day to know who's going to be available or not this week, but it's obviously it sets the tone for expectations. And Washington still has a, a lengthy injury list, but it may be shrinking a bit by the end of the week. Here's what we know right now. On the good start positively, okay, William Jackson was a full participant on Wednesday after missing the last two games with a knee issue that Ron Rivera said has kind of plagued him a bit off a bit throughout the season. Um, obviously, William Jackson has, has been a part of the struggle defensively without a question so far. Uh, we'll see if this time off helps the knee, and if, if it does, does that help his play on the field? A bunch of guys limited on uh, Wednesday. They include right tackle Sam Cosme, who's been out. With an ankle injury, here's the thing, though. Sam Cosme, they made him available to speak with the media on Wednesday, and that is generally a pretty good sign that the player is going to be available for the game. He himself said he was day-to-day and you know had some you know work to do, but it looks positive, I would say, for Sam Cosme, which is key because, as we know, uh, Sadiq Charles landed on the COVID list this week. Uh, he is vaccinated, so it's possible he'll be available if he, if he uh, has a couple of uh, negative tests um, within a 24-hour period before the game. But regardless, if, if Cosme's available and, and uh, Cornelius Lucas, it looks like he will be as well. He's not on the injury report after missing the Denver game with an illness. Then, you know, Charles won't be needed per se, at least not in a starting role, but there's something to keep an eye on there. Uh, Brandon Scherf also limited with a knee. We'll see about that. He's missed the last four games, obviously. Uh, Deombe Brown, Antonio Gibson, Cam Sims, they're kind of been staples. Would presume they're all going to play. One interesting one, uh, Samus Reyes on with a hip injury. I'll get to him and why that's interesting in a second, but just keep that in mind. Washington only has three tight ends on the active roster right now. Uh, DNP, look, you kind of know one of these, well, one you know because it just happened, Montez Sweat out four to six weeks with a hairline fracture of his jaw. The other one, of course, Curtis Samuel, who remains, um, <laughs> It remains on the side field. Um, we talked about that with Michael and Steve, uh, so I won't get into that right here, but he remains out. And then lastly, uh, two guys not mentioned on the injury report because they're on injury reserve, and that's Logan Thomas and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, on the Logan Thomas front, you know, on Monday, he was doing some work. He wasn't in practice yet. You know, again, he's he's still on IR. Once he's once they put him into practice, then that starts the 21-day clock to uh for him to be activated to the to the roster or be left on IR for the year. So that clock has not started yet, but the thought was maybe it would start on Wednesday, except that um Ron Rivera told us that the work he did on Monday left the ham- his injured hamstring feeling a bit sore. So they'll see how he goes during the week. Not a great sign, though, for Logan Thomas to be able to come back and play this week. But we'll see where he's at by the end of the week. Again, I mentioned a moment ago, they only have three tight ends on the active roster, having released Jay Sternberger. In fact, uh, I don't have it in front of me. I'll pull up while we're thinking about this. I don't even think they have an of the tight end on the practice squad right now. So, you know, it, it, it kind of felt like Logan Thomas will play. Now, it's no big deal if Reyes is good to go. They've only been having three guys active, uh, three tight ends active effectively anyway. But uh, nonetheless, you would, you know, it seemed as if that was releasing Sternberger seemed like it was an indication that Logan Thomas was uh, close to coming back. Uh, he may be close, but it, early indications here suggest maybe he's not ready quite yet. Lastly, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, we talked about the quarterbacks. I mentioned an over-under for Taylor Heineke. 
um, for a number of starts to go. And we talked about that and we talked about Kyle Allen. We didn't get into Ryan Fitzpatrick, but so let me just do that here. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, I, I, I reported a couple of times last week that he was going to have this, you know, uh, you know, Ron Rivera had told us he was going to have an MRI in a couple of weeks. And then I reported, you know, it hadn't happened as of Sunday and it would be happening and so on and so on. Um, it has happened. And Rivera told us that while there was some signs of progress, you know, kind of at best a lukewarm update. No, no, uh, no injury timeline update, uh, recovery time update. I don't have any. I don't think we have any sense of when Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to return, and the lack of, I would say, urgency within that message to me, as I've been saying for some time now, suggests he's probably. If you made me bet, does he play this year or not? I would probably say he does not. Um, you know, look, if this team rallies over the next month and, you know, he can actually play, then maybe there's a sign, there's there's a world where that happens. But if this team continues to struggle, uh, then I, I, I don't, it's just hard to see why the 38-year-old uh, who was a free agent at the end of the offseason is going to sort of force it back. And to that extent that the team would force him back either. I get it. He's getting paid $10 million, earn your money, all that kind of stuff. But I'm just being realistic in the in the real world. The money's a sunk cost already. He's already getting paid. Nobody wanted the hip injury. He obviously wanted to play. This was an opportunity for Ryan Fitzpatrick to come into a season as a full-fledged starter. It's not something that's happened to him a lot in his career. And unfortunately for him, the injury happened in the second quarter of week one. And, you know, here we are. So um, I'm going to guess, like I said, that we don't see Ryan Fitzpatrick this year. Or at least I don't feel very optimistic about it. And that was even before, like I said, this rather tepid uh, update from Ron Rivera saying, some progress, but not not that exciting. So uh, we'll see uh, where things go uh, from there on uh, on that front. Um, all right. That said, let's see where we go from here. We're going to go right to my conversation with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch at Michael PRTD on Twitter. Uh, Stephen Wino from the Associated Press. All right, and he is at St- S Wino on Twitter. S W H Y N O. Um, you can check him out, and then we'll get and also uh, JP Finley from NBC Sports Washington and 1067 The Fan. And then we'll get straight into my conversation with our Tampa Bay Bucks insider, Greg Allman, my colleague at The Athletic. All that right now, coming up on the Standard Groom Only podcast. All right, as promised, uh, joining me here uh, at the at the halfway point. He's been at the start of the season, the quarter of the season, the halfway point of the season. He is Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch. Michael, let the people know you're here. You are putting a lot of stock into the notion that I'm going to make it to the finish line here and, and with two more appearances. Look, at this point, you and I are <laughs> committed to the end. I don't know how we're getting through the rest of the season, but that's where we're going to try. But because we need a little pick-me-up, joining us as well <laughs> is our pal Steve Wino from the Associated Press. Uh, Steve, I appreciate you coming out. By the way, I'm just getting a, f- a first look at your media credential. That is quite the close-up. I, I'm the only one wearing media credentials, so I don't know why I'm actually doing this. You're very uh, official. But very my, my, my photo is not like our, our, some of our friends who had 20 years ago's photo. This is from, from weeks ago. That is a classic newspaper guy move is to run a photo from 20 years ago. So, we never so change many, our photos. So many guys doing that. Howard, yeah. Howard does that. Howard Fender, our colleague, <laughs> is, a, is a serial offender of this. Paul Woody, our former columnist, he, he was running one from like his fifties. So to, just, just to, we'll, we'll get to this team in a second. <laughs> but to that point, the, when I first started working for the Associated Press, and I didn't know that I needed a, a picture credential, and I had none, they said we need something like immediately. And the, I only, and this was like, I only I had was a picture. I had just been to a wedding, yeah, and it was me that in counts. a t- in a tux. 
so there was a close of me in the, in the hooks. That became my picture for years yes. because they couldn't, they would not adjust it no matter what. So yeah, Love it. I, I respect the old photo situation. And as you can tell, we're sort of screwing around here talking about not the football team because look at two and six coming off the bye week. Going to uh, two and seven. Uh, Is anybody going to pick this team to win on Sunday? Other than the people in this building, I would assume no. This is this is truly the only time in, in Rivera's life he'll be able to come up to the podium and say with a straight face, "No, nobody believed in us. No, Correct. no nobody believes no. in them this week. There's no more belief coming between now and then. No, no, the, with, 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 without a doubt. But look, there's nine games to go, and whatever's going to happen, it's, we're going to be here to chronicle it, discuss it, Speak think about it, live it. All right, well, Wina will be on <laughs> hockey hockey coverage at some point here, watching Ovechkin chase records. Um, all right, but that said, they are back. We did just talk to the team, to Ron Rivera, Taylor Heineke, Terry McLaurin, and so on. We watched some stretch and all that stuff. So we're going to look here towards the rest of, of the way. Um, and and I, I came up with some questions, sort of over-unders, of which the first one, Michael Phillips is telling me, is already a clear disaster by the book because apparently I'm overestimating, or I'm, I've got a bad number here, but we'll see uh, what we'll see about that. And I'm not bearish on the rest of the season. I think they'll, I think they'll pick up a few more wins before this is all said and done. Okay, they play well, some bad teams. Right, well, I just don't think they'll win Sunday. Fa- fair enough. We'll, yeah. we'll get to the, to the win total uh, yeah. as one of the questions, as well as some things about the defense. But let's start as often with the quarterback situation. Uh, Taylor Heineke, we just spoke to him a few minutes ago. He's going to start against uh, Tampa Bay. Now, that, that that would mean one start. There's nine games to go. Uh, obviously, injuries could always happen, and you never know. But we're thinking of this in terms of actually the plan is to start this guy for how many games. Um, I, I've been talking about Kyle Allen. It makes logical sense to me. They should be playing Kyle Allen here at some point. Not saying it has to be today. At some point. The question, therefore, is... How many more starts is Taylor Heineke going to get? I set the over-under at six and a half. Uh, there, was I mean, a, there was a, mo- a mosh pit at the window. <laughs> People looking to bet the under there. You, you need the lines to move on this one, I think. <laughs> well, okay, so uh, maybe I need to, to, if you want the under on six and a half, it's like minus 160. Yeah. Is that, is, that, is that what it is? You still have all my money. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. still holding my money. So, I mean, like you, so obviously you've been a guy who's been pro Taylor Heineke. Yes. And I, my basic stance has been I've never believed he was the answer. I also don't put so much of the blame on him in the last couple of weeks. They've had a ton of injuries. They're not fully there. And also he is what he is. He is a backup. Again, yeah. I think Kyle Allen should play at some point based on why not. And also Ron Rivera said at the end of last year, they could have won as many games with Alex Smith as they did uh, with Kyle Allen as they did with Alex Smith. If you actually believe that, why shouldn't Kyle Allen be playing? But that said, why do you seem so uh, bullish on the under here? I'm reading between the lines here. The Mike Silver story that was on the site where Ron was talking about, you know, maybe Taylor's more effective off the bench because he catches the other team off guard. You know, certainly the need to shake something up after what's going to be a pretty dismal home showing. I, I think we all know how ownership feels about the attendance at the moment, and I can't imagine that situation improves on Sunday. I, I just think if they if they take an L on Sunday and it's anything other than a really inspired effort from Taylor Heineke. I think it's the logical time to make the move, and it goes into a a winnable game week in Carolina. Anytime you make a switch, you always want to tee the next guy up 
with a winnable football game. Feels like this is this is the window. And, and it, sort of to that point, it was Dustin announced a few minutes ago that Sam Darnold will be out. He's going to IR, I believe, for Carolina. Not that he was playing great, but now they're, they're, this will be a game, whether it's Taylor Heineke or Kyle Allen, that guy will be the better quarterback on paper going yes. into that game versus whatever Carolina is going to end up doing. Um, so, Wina, where are you at? I mean, uh, on the on this Heineke six and a half uh, starts the rest of the way. I'm with Michael on, on the under, hard on the under here. The only devil's advocate I would I would throw here is if Ron Rivera is trying to figure out if his franchise quarterback is on the roster, playing Kyle Allen isn't going to do that. So is, is it going to win them a couple of more games, that Carolina game against the team that, that he and Ron came from? Sure. But if you're trying to, if you know Kyle Allen's not your franchise quarterback, you need to keep seeing who you have. I don't know who, I don't know if that is going to be Taylor Heineke. I don't know if Ron Rivera has already come to that conclusion that his franchise quarterback is not on the roster. And then it's how you play out the string. Do you want to just try to win as many games as you can? Do you need to see other pieces of the offense? So at that point, Kyle Allen's your guy. And, and so that's why I would take the under. I mean, you, you're saying to possibly see the franchise quarterback. To me, the reason to play Kyle Allen is to see who's your number two next year and possibly your number one week one, because if you draft a rookie, that guy may not be ready. And, you know, maybe none of the three quarterbacks currently on the roster, uh, meaning Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, are going to be around next year. Heineke's the only one under contract, but it's a minimal. They could easily sure. move on if they wanted to. Who who is the backup? I mean, Kyle Allen has much more of the prototype size, arm strength, and so on. But you know, he's also three years younger than Taylor Heineke. So to me, I just think you need to see him because who knows? That said, I mean, look, I mean, and also Heineke, uh, whatever he he's been fine. I will say this is an interesting game though, as it stands right now. There's, it looks like Sam Cosme will probably be back at right tackle, if I had to guess. Yep. The fact that he spoke to us today Agreed. is an indicator. Yes. He, he'll, he'll be back. Uh, Curtis Samuel will not be. He's still on the bike. Uh, Maybe back ever. We, we don't know. Well, we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, Logan Thomas, don't feel great about his chances right now. He did not yeah. practice today. If he's going to come off IR, you would have thought it would have happened today. But that said, maybe maybe Brandon Scherf as well. And just having the bye week, maybe that helps a guy like Antonio Gibson and so on. So uh, maybe this maybe the offense can look better. Uh, but again, it's Tampa Bay. The odds of them looking good enough to feel really good, probably fairly slim. Um, I, I mentioned Antonio Gibson. So let me ask you this question. Why not? You can lead off here. Last game against Denver, Jared Patterson led this team with 11 carries. How many more games does Jared Patterson get 11 or more carries? I'm setting the over under at one and a half. And the reason I'm asking isn't so much about Patterson. It's about sort of Gibson. It's about how much more, because with his shin, he's clearly been limited. How many more games does, will Gibson get a more robust workload going forward? Or at some point they have to start saying, hey, we have to look toward the future and maybe keep him rest. Oh, a high over on on Jared Patterson getting that, because I I think that's it. You you need to see what you have out of Jared Patterson. And if this is a lost season, which it's looking like a lost season for this team, why would you risk Antonio Gibson making the shin injury worse? You talked about a stress fracture in there. Sure, the bye week is great for now, and you're trying to still kind of keep up face in the season and these sort of things. But you know what Antonio Gibson can do. Uh, and, and, and obviously his transition from receiver to running back has gone well. So you want you want to carry and chances for him. But he's shown what he can do. You don't. It, it's not worth that risk. And, and, and Jared Patterson is your guy who everyone saw what he did in college. It's about time to see kind of what he can do and probably carry the load the rest of the year. 
I think if you need nine more games of Antonio Gibson, I think he's got it in him. He's been very tough. He's played through a lot of things. Obviously, they were strategic with giving him that blow in the Denver game ahead of the bye week to give him a little bit of extra rest. Wouldn't surprise me if they're strategic on Sunday as well, if this is some sort of, Ron, you know, let's give him almost a full month of lightened workload before you're really cranking this thing up down the stretch. Um, I think your other wild card here is J.D. McKissick, who I think is still a very viable part of this offense. Um, and your other wild card is just how many times they'll have the opportunity to run the football. You know, you're looking at uh, some games, obviously, where they'll, they'll be behind. They'll be throwing the ball a lot. Uh, I'm on the fence. I, I, I'm nudging over because I, I think there's probably a high likelihood that Gibson doesn't play at all in the season's final week um, if this is trending to where I think all three of us believe this is trending and that is not a, a prime time make or break game in week week 18. Uh, so I, I, I would I would trend to the under because you just need one more week of Jarrett Patterson once once you include that week 18 game where I, I think everybody's going to be on ice. Yeah. I'll probably say over. I talked about this this angle in the last uh, podcast, so I'll just completely veer off and say I'm standing here looking up, and there's the, we can see the moon. It's just broad daylight. Yeah. Every time I see the moon in a blue sky, I feel like we're in a Star Wars movie, and it's like I don't know if it's a Death Star or something, but there's something. It's it's always a weird deal to me. <laughs> Sunlight's out, and then where's the moon? <laughs> if there's any place that would describe it as a Death Star, it would be the Sea. <laughs> oh wow! All right, fair, fair fair enough. Didn't the Raiders at one point build something to look like a Death Star? Well, I'm making the, that up. I know they have the Roomba Stadium. They I don't do. know if there's a Death Star situation for. That's for what the that's what's keeping me afloat is a trip to Roomba Stadium. Uh, Phillips and I will be. I, uh, <laughs> I'm excited whether, whether uh, excited to do a podcast or write or anything from from that place because that will mean we're in Vegas, uh, and and this, the life you moves on. I don't hate it. <laughs> uh, I don't hate it. Um, oh, one more question on the, on the offense, um, and that is with, with the aforementioned Curtis Samuel. I, I was debating doing an over-under on games, but I don't even know what that is. So I'll set it like this. It, in a game in which Curtis Samuel plays, he, he, he had the game against Atlanta where he had 25 snaps. Mm -hmm. In a game, the next game that he has at least 25 snaps, is that, for, is that game September 2022? No, I think he plays this year. I, I think that I think they tried him out at least once this year. He's clearly not right, but I I think that uh, the pride of everybody involved demands that he play one professional football game uh, in the remainder of this season. So, so why not? Before you answer that specifically, I mean, I guess my point would be okay. So he still is not practicing. This is going on now. This is for it's preposterously long. This this first started in what June. They're coming off the bye week. Still is on the side. Now it's only Wednesday. Maybe things will change by this week, but I don't see why. So at some point, why would you? Why even bother? Just say, look, whatever that happened happened. It screwed up. Next year, let's move forward because that's the way things are trending anyway. We've seen him on the bike. Are we sure he's not practicing for the Tour de France? Like, are we sure he's not? It's not a bike practice thing. I know. I, I don't. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I, I tend to, to believe that there that I agree with Michael that there's enough pride in Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew bringing him in uh, that they want to see him play and, and see if he's going to be a part of this team's future. And, and whether that's I don't know if you're developing chemistry with Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke or any of that stuff. But you have to see kind of if he is a part of your offense moving forward, if he is a fit here or if this is a complete nightmare and it's a wash and it's a sunk cost. And but I, I think because of that, we, we, we will see Curtis Samuel, whether it's a good decision or not. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm jokes aside. I mean, I would imagine he's going to play this year. It's just at some point here, I don't quite even I don't quite get what it is. I, I guess I would think I'll say we keep talking about this a lot. I hope he's OK, because I don't know what it is. It's crazy that it would be just a groin injury at this point that has gone on this long. And he did, as Ron Rivera said many times, he did. He, he, he was on the COVID list. Obviously, even guys who are vaccinated can get COVID and things can they can have they can have uh, repercussions or whatever. But he did play, obviously, subsequently. So um, I, whatever this is, it's incredible bizarre and it's obviously a major uh, a, a major issue for, for this season yeah certainly the, the the wonder here is if, if surgery is going to happen as soon as they shut him down for good and if he's going to have surgery in january I, I don't see any reason not to have that surgery tomorrow that, that feels like that would be a potentially bad play to to kick surgery down the road two months just because but as ryan rivera once said don't put that crap on the table I think Michael brought up surgery just so he could drop that line, right? Is that right? Um, all right, let's switch over to, to the defense. Obviously, they're going into this game, no Montez Sweat for the next four to six weeks with a, uh, a hairline fracture in his jaw. Obviously, that's a blow for the defense, and it puts even more of a, an emphasis on Chase Young. And, um, you know, I, I've kind of believe at this point that, like, since there is no quarterback, a young quarterback to watch and, 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 and get excited about, how we feel about this team down the stretch may in very much come down to how does Chase Young perform. And at this point, it's obviously been a bit underwhelming. Ron Rivera just the other day told the team website that, hey, we, they, you know, we need to see more consistency overall and especially at the start of the games, not just here and there and so on. Um, sacks are not everything, but it's always a fun thing to sort of point to. So what is he at? One right now or one and a half? Is, is that the record? No. I know the record they were chasing. Well, him, have, he, no, you get to add him and Montez for the record. Yeah, uh, yeah. Have, have they gotten the record? Not yet. No, they're, they're close to that. Not, not, okay. not, not, okay. not quite. Okay. Well, I apologize. I, 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 one or one and a half. But either way, there's nine games to go. If I said, if I set the over under at, say, three and a half, that is hardly. Cumulatively or the rest of the way? The rest of the way. Okay. That is hardly a, an impressive number, but it is triple, yeah. essentially, where he's at now. Yeah. And again, now no Montez sweat. So whatever these double teams are coming, you would think they'd be coming even more frequently so why not i can turn to you first if you want over under chase young three and a half sacks the rest of the way i think he's good i think i'm going to take over but not by a lot i think this is actually a good line unlike your your this heineken line, line. Thank this you. is this is a good line and a difficult line to ponder here because this it, it's i don't know it's not used as much in football but as the sophomore slump but there's a thing there this is a guy who, who came out and, and had an incredible rookie year <laughs> and is now seeing more of the double triple teams and all these offenses and offensive lines designed to stop him. I think ultimately he gets there because there's a lot of games left. I can't believe how many games are left in the season right now, but he, he's, going to be Tom playing, Brady. he's going to be playing including Tom Brady, but he's got uh, an Eagles team twice that, that can't protect Jalen Hurts. He, he's got a, a Giants team that is going to struggle and, and eventually he'll, he'll chase Daniel Jones out and get a sack and those sort of things. I, I, that gets him to at least three, I think. And so I think it's a, a pretty safe over, but I'm not betting the mortgage on it. Yeah, I'll go under. I agree. It's a very good line. I, you know, I, I think that his play against Denver to force the fumble late was truly the kind of game-altering play that highly paid superstars make. That was an incredible play and an incredible moment where all the running back had to do was protect the ball, and Chase Young got back there and made the play. That was a superstar play. Now, then they went to bed on the on offensive possession, so we're not talking about it. He's got that in him. I'm bullish long-term on Chase Young. I really am. I don't think he gets the job done this year, though. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go uh, I'll go over to be optimistic, but I don't think it really it, the number itself it sort of doesn't matter. He needs to play like the guy who was a defensive rookie of the year, like Ron Rivera said. 
that play was great, as Michael was just indicating, but they need more of that consistently. Not, I mean, you can't get forced to fumble every play, but just be a presence. Be a guy that the other team really has to account for, not just because you exist, but because you're actually forcing them to send more bodies your way. That hasn't happened. It's going to be a little more complicated again without Montez Sweat, but you still have John Allen, you still have Jerome Payne, Matt yeah, Ioannidis. So. There's other guys to pay attention to, so he'll have some opportunities here and there, and we'll see if he can take advantage of it. Um, speaking of uh, Tom Brady, th that's the game this weekend. The line, I don't have to set this line. The Vegas people have done it for us. It's nine and a half. Uh, using that as a jumping off point to discuss the game, uh, I I'll just say, like, you know, in, in, in an office pool I may or may not be involved in, I will probably be picking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, if, if forced to, to pick it. That's a big number for any road team, regardless of the circumstance. Correct. But Tampa Bay is coming off a loss, off a bye week as well. Feels like they're poised to have uh, a, a bounce back game. And I'm sure they're probably annoyed by the amount of people who, who may have said, hey, Washington gave you your best game last year and this quarterback in particular. But that said, uh, Phillips, what do you think about for this? You give us the number if you're going to take the points or give, but at the same point, what do you kind of think about for this game? I think we're betting on how hard Tampa's going to try here, essentially. You know, if they hold them at arm's length at 14 the whole way, and then Washington slides a touchdown in at the end, the, the line reflects that Washington covers. Uh, I, certainly very confident that Tampa Bay will win the football game on Sunday. Lines are tricky, but I, I, if you make me t take a side, I'm taking the box. Yeah, I, I would lay the points here, too, in the same way of if, if the Buccaneers come in motivated, if this is Tom Brady wanting to, to, to show people that, oh, it wasn't really that close, that that playoff game wasn't that. If, if, if this team is motivated to come in and crush somebody, I think they have the ability to do it in, in this game, certainly. But, yeah, this, 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 this could be a glorified preseason kind of tune-up game for the Buccaneers, and, and, and you want to get guys healthy. I think there's a little bit of it's – a, it's also a good line. Uh, at, at nine and a half, because oh, this can't take credit for this. Because this, this could not. I'm not yeah, yeah, thankfully it's not you. Um, but this this could be a 21 point game, or it could be an eight point game, and neither one will surprise me. Yeah, it, you know, if this were in Tampa Bay, it would be homecoming weekend. It, it would be homecoming if other teams do that. Angela Williams would be making fun of it. Apparently, Mike Tomlin. Uh, was asked, I forget, Pittsburgh's playing somebody this week that's not very good, and he was asked something about that, and he said, hey, there's no, whatever it was, he was said, hey, there's no homecoming games in, in this sport. There's and so, one. And there's somebody, there's so one. The person that sent this, <laughs> or showed me this quote, was like, ah, actually, there is one. You ever you ever notice that homecoming is always described as a Bruce thing, and Bruce isn't in the building anymore, but homecoming is? Yes. You ever notice that? I, I have noticed that. Ah, interesting. wonder if there's anybody in the building in charge who's was here last year and this two years ago and this year that we could tie this to. Is there a homecoming king? Is it is, is a thing? If you can buy it, it's a thing. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. And then to sort of put, put, oh, I will just say this. The one thing I'm curious about in this game in particular, beyond, you know, all the other things, I'm curious about the Landon Collins thing. This whole idea of like how his usage has been really interesting the last few weeks. And I know everybody's kind of been talking about how great he's played. Or not great. Let me, let me dial that back. He that was he played, he was he played better. He backer than he was as a safety. Right. I, first safety. I don't understand what Denver was doing last week. Landon Collins played over 80% of the snaps. They didn't, as far as I could tell, didn't even attack him at all down the field. 
but I think that was their game plan, and that's not Teddy Bridgewater's deal. I think Tom Brady 100% is going after Landon Collins if he's in position as the fifth defensive back, essentially. You can line him up wherever. They'll manipulate their scheme to take advantage of it. There is no Antonio Brown, but they have other guys. I, I think if Landon Collins is playing 80% of the snaps, he's getting beat deep, and I think we're going to have a different conversation again, which is why I imagine he probably has a dialed back uh, snap total this week, but I'm, I'm sort of curious to see about I that. I think you leave him in there to get embarrassed by Brady because the alternative is Jamin Davis getting embarrassed by Brady, and I think you don't want to saddle the young kid with that because you've still got him for three years, whereas you're going to cut Landon Collins at the end of the year. Like You're just picking who gets humiliated by Tom Brady. I pick Landon. Well, I mean, so William Jackson was a full participant today, so that looks like he would be able to play. If that's the case, you have your top three corners available, plus McCain, plus Curl. You don't actually even have to play Landon Collins uh, unless he's the sixth defensive back, which is possible. But anyway, something for me to keep an eye on. Last question, the big one. How many more games are they actually going to win? Now, I've debated this line, and now I mean, you feel even more pressure because you're giving me grief oh, over the other huge one. Huge line here. Now, huge now, line now here. the fact that Phillips is feeling confident or, or, or optimistic <laughs> about this, optimistic relative, like he's not saying they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to win a game or somewhere along they the way. They have the first draft pick. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so based and on that. The Detroit Lions. No, they won't have the first one. So I, I wanted to go with two and a half, but if I go three and a half, to, to go four, I mean, they have to go so, basically four stick, and five the rest of the way. Stick, stick with your gut, buddy. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> right. That's the thing. I can't, I can't go. But but that said, like I said, Carolina, there's going to be down to a quarterback who on paper is lesser than what is here. Uh, the, you still have three games against the Eagles and the Giants. Um, you know, the, even though Dallas is obviously a better team, you, you throw out the record, as they like to say, against those games. And and uh, we'll see about some of the other ones. That said, we'll, we'll go two and a half. Why no? Since I, I feel like I know where Phillips might go, let's go with you. What, what do you think? Um, two and a half, are you taking the over or the under wins the rest of the way? I'm going to take the over. And, and I think you the three I think the three of us discussed this at one point, that the worst thing that could happen for this team is going on a run to get to like seven and ten this season. Like to, to be back in the first round, to not really have any answers to everything. Thing, to miss out on maybe Brennan Armstrong or whatever, to some sort of situation like that. I think there's winnable games on the schedule. I, I thought they could win the Denver game too, and, and, and you're an offensive possession away from winning that game. Carolina's not a very good team. The Eagles have been terrible at home. The Giants are also not a very good team. The Raiders are off and on and off. Like There are winnable games left on this team's schedule. I'm, I'm not going to hammer it, but I would take the over. Yeah, if you give me three and a half, I would have gone under, but you gave me two and a half, so I will go over. I agree that I, you know I'm a believer they're going to win in Carolina. I know that the line doesn't reflect that at the moment, but I think they will win in Carolina. I struggle to believe they will go over against the division in those last five. Doesn't feel like something's going to happen. Yeah, I, I did a predictions thing in the Athletic the other day, and I said they would get three wins. I actually picked them over Seattle because I wasn't sure Russell Wilson would be back. Now he is, so I don't know about that one. But at the same point, um, yeah, there's still some opportunities. So I, I would go over um look at that it's just a gang optimist hanging out here <laughs> predicting good things i mean the bottom line is as bad as things have been ron rivera's teams do typically do better in the second half and you have to imagine on some level that something is going to get better i will i will just note that ron rivera unlike last year has not made any comments this at this point about a, a, a shot at the wild card there are only two games out of the the last wild card no, no, no. I'm not saying this, but I'm saying last year when we he was with Dwayne, even with Dwayne Haskins at quarterback, he was talking up the idea of winning the division and all that. And I understand the NFC East was terrible, but it was, they, so were they. And yet he still saw something to make him think he could. He's not saying that now, which is why it's hard to be optimistic. But I think at two and a half, I will go over 
um, as well. Um, I appreciate the time. Anything you would, either one of you would like to uh, tell the world about in terms of your own endeavors that people should pay pay attention to? Richmond.com, uh, it's where to be. And uh, I don't know, we'll see you in the press box on Sunday. Always fun to be in the standing room. APnews.com, but please, please don't read my, please don't read my things. What's it take? This is not the expert. Uh, it, the, the line is two and a half. Wins the rest of the way, JP Finley. Which way are you going to play this? Over. Everybody went over. Oh. It's four, it's four oh. overs. The NFL is yeah. a funky league, man. <laughs> and like, yep. they're going to beat Dallas in, on Christmas or something. Like something weird is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, um, always does. If you went three and a half, I'd go under. That's what I said. Wait, wait, wait. That was the consensus. Well, I guess you don't need me. Do you, want, do you want people to know what you're wearing today? Yeah, for sure. Um, I tweeted it out. I wore a blue polo shirt, and now I'm wearing a Terps jacket. And uh, how about not being able to watch a Terps game in Maryland? Yeah, what was up with that? Yeah, what was that? It was like it was an ESPN. Big Ten Plus. Oh, Big Ten. Yeah. There's a Big Ten Plus. There's there's a Big Ten Plus. (laughs) This is my issue with like this cable TV. There's only so many apps I can buy. I can't can't go too many. And perhaps I have an interest in this, but it's easier when everything's just on cable and it's in one place (laughs) rather than 8 million apps. I'm with you. Get off my lawn. I'm never going to get Big Ten Plus ever. And, and I mean, they could put Maryland Duke from 2002 on ESPN Plus or Big Ten Plus, and I'm still not getting it. Like, I don't need that in my life. No, there's too many. I, 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 I imagine some dude just sent me a stream. So thanks to my guy. Well, then there's, <laughs> that, then there's that. that. This is bad for hockey for you, too, because other than Capitals games, you cannot get a single game on TV other than one until January 1st. Before ten o'clock in the Eastern they, Time Zone. Why no? I promise you that is not impacting <laughs> my life whatsoever. It is affecting mine, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into hockey talk here, and there's like some <laughs> there's some chaos going on in our media room, I will sign off, guys. I appreciate it, JP. Thanks for coming by. See ya. All right. As promised, to help me preview this Sunday's game is our Bucks insider Greg Allman. And Greg, I appreciate the time. I, I I don't even remember, but I presume you and I did some version of this back in I January. I think so, yeah. It was, it was kind of a, a blur early in the postseason last year. Uh, so I think we did. I hope yeah, we I did. Th- yeah, no, think- obviously, uh, like you said, lots has changed. Lots has changed on both sides, I guess, uh, since the opener in the playoffs last year and another trip up to D.C. for the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's the thing, right? It's amazing, you know, in, in a moment in time, not that these two teams were in the same space, but they were physically in the same space on the field at FedEx field. Washington is coming off an improbable run to win a terrible NFC East. And the Bucks at that point, while because you have Tom Brady and, and all that, you know, were a team to be reckoned with, but I don't think they were the team that anybody was saying was definitely going to win the NFC, let alone the Super Bowl. And yet, obviously, th- these two teams played. And it's hard to say you can get a better bump than winning the Super Bowl. Obviously, Tampa got the best bump possible. That said, Washington got a really good bump out of that week because, again, they win the division. And some people say they gave Tampa Bay its best game of the playoffs. And so based on that, it's it's it, that helps set the expectations for this group here going into the season. They obviously have come incredibly short of the of, of regional's expectation while Tampa Bay remains a um, you know one, one of the top teams. In, in, in the league. So it, it, to me, as, I, as we're getting ready to talk, because it's like, wow, it really things have changed dramatically uh, from both for both teams from that uh, from that game. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, you think about that 
that matchup, I mean, it was one of the closer football games. I, I remember, obviously, Heineke was a wild card in things, and it certainly gave them, I think, more trouble than they'd expected. Uh, I mean, some of those games were down to the wire uh, on the way to the Super Bowl. Obviously, the Super Bowl wasn't down to the wire. But, yeah, think about fourth quarter, Heineke making plays to get them back in, kind of within a score, uh, was probably a, a more challenging game. You know, I, I can remember going into that week thinking how well they had done just to land a relatively favorable draw in the playoffs, where if you got to be on the road, you know, at least you're on the road at a team with a losing record in a bad division like the East was last year. Um, yeah, and things have gone two very different ways. To think about the defense that they faced that day and to see what they've done now this season, it, it's such a different look. It's it's surprising. Um, and obviously they can show up in a different way on Sunday, but by the numbers, it's, it's like bottom five in yards, points, third down, passing, uh, lots of areas where I didn't expect to see that. And then, you know, over the course of the summer or the off season, you know, all this talk about Washington going to take a step up and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I certainly didn't think they would be as bad as they are this year, but I also thought that everybody was constantly overrating the defense because a lot of the numbers that they had last year were based on, um, they faced people who are listening to me have heard this all the time, but they faced a, a, a ton of backup quarterbacks, um, over the course of the year. And what I would, but I always point to the Tampa game and say, look, I get it. The Bucks won the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, that's a really good point. They got 500 yards of offense. You can't be considered to be a really good defense and give up 500 yards of offense in a playoff game, no less. Like it's one thing you have a bad in a game where you're really hooked up. Forget Taylor Heineke is not playing defense. And Taylor Heineke helped you out a lot on the other side. So it wasn't like you were just getting, right. you know, murdered over there. So to me, I was like, I think this is a bad sign. And obviously it's only progressed. They've con- or it's only regressed, I should say, uh, since then, I-, I guess. And I don't know if any of that, anything that happened last year has any correlation to this year's game. But what was your feeling about what worked for Tampa so well in that game that they were able to you know, get a lot of yards against a team that was considered to be a good defense? And how do you think that potentially translates to what's going to happen uh, on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those where, I mean, they were – I remember right. They didn't have Devin White in that game. Right. Uh, I think they were missing somebody on offense that had gotten dinged up at the end of the season, so they weren't really at full strength. Um, this this offense has so much depth to it, to where, again, right now, five days out, it doesn't look like they'll have Antonio Brown on Sunday. It doesn't look like Rob Gronkowski will play on Sunday, and the offense just kind of keeps motoring along. Um, you know, Brady uh, at forty four to be leading the NFL in touchdown passes, to be leading in passing yards per game. Uh, despite, you know, he's he's had Gronk out more than he's had Gronk this year. And A.B., you know, was basically their best receiver in, in yards per game when he went down. So uh, still a wealth of options for Tom Brady to throw to and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, you know, Godwin's cool. I mean, he's not necessarily a D.C. guy, but he's from Delaware. So this is right down the road from, from where he's from. <laughs> this will be a special game for him that way. I think he was probably more of an Eagles guy growing up. Uh, but a game that will mean something to him. Like I said, I, I think this offense just has so much depth. Uh, that even when they're down two pretty good players, uh, they've got a ton to throw to. And if, if Evans gets the coverage right now, Godwin's you know really done well the last couple of weeks to, to get a couple hundred yard games. And Evans has had three multi touchdown games already. So it's just a pick your poison kind of thing. Uh, as somebody who has Chris Godwin on their fantasy team, I'm happy on the weeks where he's the target and bummed on the weeks when they go right. a lot of other different places. Um, so Washington, this is their first game. They're going to play without Montez Sweat. He uh, suffered a, a hairline fracture in his jaw, so that that that's a that's going to weaken their pass rush automatically. You would think. Um, 
but they've already had a lot of problems in the secondary. And, and one question I have for you is like, so if Antonio Brown was playing or maybe even Gronkowski, like Washington uses base, you know, uses a sub package for their base more or less with Landon Collins, sort of the de facto fifth defensive back at this point, they're using Cameron Curl and Bobby McCain sort of in uh, yeah. the deep middle and Landon Collins last week returned to being the fifth defensive back a lot. Now he's technically playing close to, in the box. This has been a whole story around here. Is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? But it's either a third linebacker or a fifth defensive back, however you want to look at it. It feels like to me, but so last week, Denver did not, or two weeks ago, Denver did not take advantage of his struggles in the pass coverage, which is why they're using him in the box. They, I, they, their plan was to not attack deep, partly because I think Teddy Bridgewater is just, just not what he's going to do. I imagine with Tom Brady, he's going to look at the weaknesses and determine where do we, where do we need to go? So if hypothetically Godwin and Evans are on the outside and William, if William Jackson's back and Kendall Fuller's there, those guys will probably be focused on them. Is there another guy in the, is there a third guy, whether that's a different tight end or, or a receiver, most likely who can get down the field that would be somebody that Tampa might target because, like I said, if Landon Collins is going to play a lot, that's where I would go. Yeah, even with Antonio Brown out, their, their next receiver in is a guy named Tyler Johnson, uh, who's a second-year player from Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah, I like him. Um, yeah, no, really good fifth-round pick. Didn't believe he lasted that long a year ago. Uh, and he's done really well stepping in. I don't think he's touched on yet this year now to think about it, but um, has done really well kind of getting the bulk of the uh, third receiver reps with, uh, with A.B. out. He's great. He's got just a, a great sure-handed receiver, has had some really nice downfield plays. Um, they'll still mix in the tight end. They, they've kind of had some games where O.J. Howard gets the bulk of the uh, the Gronk presence, if you will. And then Cam Braid is more of a pass-catching tight end. But Cam Braid is a guy that also benefits from that. He's had some good games already this year. So it's definitely, initially, um, it's funny. Like the, the first game with no Brown and no Gronk, it was almost exclusively Evans and Godwin. Like they had... A large, I think all but like 40 yards in the passing game went to those two, really leaned on those two heavily. Uh, but if you try and double both or if you try and double Evans and then have at least a presence on Godwin, there's other guys they're comfortable throwing to. Um, the main one, like I said, Tyler Johnson, they have a rookie named uh, Jalen Darden, who's a tiny speed type, uh, where's number one, um, also is their main returner now. Uh, he's another guy who, again, could could kind of step up, get involved in the screen game, get involved in some gimmickry, that kind of stuff. Uh, but Tyler Johnson's the one to watch if you're looking for a third receiver. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I forgot that he was on Tampa, but I liked him coming out. So, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious. Like I said, it's stupid to not to look past Evans and Godwin as the real worries, not to mention Leonard Fournette. But uh, I'm sort of obsessed with this idea of, like, what, what are they doing with Landon Collins and how does that work? And like I said, last week they went back to using him a lot, but – I don't know. I think it's just thing Denver had it in their game plan to attack him, and I just can't comprehend that Tom Brady and the Bucks would ignore his presence if he's out there um, a lot on the field. Um, I, in a sec, I'll ask if there's anything for you that you're curious about with regards to Washington as it relates to whatever Tampa Bay's uh, whatever's going on there. But in terms of the other side of the going the other way, Washington under Taylor Heineke has been able to move the ball but they've been struggling lately to actually score the, the last in the last two games, they were over six in the red zone. Most of their drives in the last two weeks have gone into the opposing territory, but they just haven't been able to punch it in. A lot of that I think is due to a bunch of injuries on the offensive line. Uh, they're still missing Logan Thomas. He might be back this week. Curtis Samuel's been out basically all year. Um, so, so, so that's the thing. Um, but, but also Taylor Heineke is look, that game against Tampa was obviously his coming out party. It was also his second career start. 
with more career starts, backup quarterbacks, if that's what they truly are, get exposed for what they are. And we're having defenses are starting to get a feel for what he is. And he's been totally fine for a guy to come in and play two or three games. He's been asked to do a lot more than that. So um, what if, if Washington is looking at Tampa and thinking, OK, how do we take advantage of something? <laughs> What's the something that for Tampa, that's been a bit of a bugaboo this year that maybe if Washington can figure out how can, can, can dial up some plays and try to get some things going. Yeah. I mean, a lot like Washington, they haven't had nearly the pass rush they wanted this year. Um, you know, in terms of sacks, I mean, they were basically a three sack a game defense last year and they're barely a two sack a game defense right now. Uh, Shaq Barrett has five and a half sacks, which is great, but Pierre Paul has been fairly quiet. Um, their linebackers in Devin White and Levante David, you know, were all kinds of splash plays last year. White had nine sacks. I think Levante had three forced fumbles. Uh, they had 27 tackles for loss between them. They have two right now for the entire season. No sacks, no takeaways, no interceptions. Um, so the middle of the field, I think some of that is that they've had a ton of injuries in the defensive secondary. So the linebackers have had to drop in coverage a little bit more. Um this is not a, a dominating defense by any means. I mean, yardage wise, they've given up a chunk through the air. Um, they're still hurting in the secondary right now. I mean, they, there's a chance they'll get uh, Sean Murphy bunting back. He's, he's kind of one of their top two corners. Uh, he's outside in base and he's a slot when they're in nickel. Um, but he hasn't played since the first quarter of the season, dislocated his elbow. He's got a big brace on his arm, uh, but he's a playmaker. I mean, he had a pick in that Washington game, had picks in three straight playoff games last year. Um, so because they're depleted in the secondary, uh, Carlton Davis, who would be their top corner is still out. Richard Sherman, who kind of replaced him, uh, should be back, but, but was kind of only dressed in their last game as an emergency option. Um, so they're down, you know, literally three or four of their top corners right now. Uh, that's where I would certainly go. Uh, Jamel Dean is probably the guy that's played the best on their secondary. I would think they're going to have Jamel on, on McLaurin a decent amount, uh, on Sunday, um, the teams that have given them trouble are teams that have two and three solid receivers where you can kind of test the depth of their secondary. Um, I feel like the Bucks have had good safety play. Um, but again, if like you said, if, if Thomas doesn't go, uh, that takes away some of the threat from, from the tight end position for sure. Uh, Thomas is an old uh, Bruce Arians draft pick. So uh, they, they know each other well from that. But uh, yeah, right now, like I said, this defense um, has underperformed as, as I've seen it. I think they've been better. Uh, we're certainly better in, in like the month leading up to the Saints game. But then, you know, you have another backup uh, in New Orleans in terms of letting Trevor Simeon, you know, basically go down the field and get a field goal to, to, to take the lead back at the end of the game after they had done so well just to get back in the game there in New Orleans. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny, like, I mean, the idea of Washington taking advantage of whatever Tampa Bay struggles are just seems improbable at this point. But again, uh, you know, I don't know. Taylor Heineke had his uh, – Finest moment last year, and maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe he can he can figure something out um, a, 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 again. Um, I have one more question for you, but before that, sure. do you, is there anything from your end that you're sort of as you're looking at the other side that you're kind of thinking to yourself? I, I just kind of laid out some of the things, and you clearly are aware of Washington's defensive struggles. But is there anything for you that kind of stands out about this game, whether it's Tampa or, or the Washington side, or just the fact that you get to come back to the nation's capital, whatever it may be? I was excited about a trip to D.C. I had to come up. Uh, the Bucks went to the White House in July. So it was up like literally flew up, flew back same day. Uh, hot as can be in D.C. in July. I'm walking around the Capitol in a suit. Uh, there's no way to do that and not sweat as badly as I did. Yeah. So I'm excited about it being cooler this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, I'm always happy to go to D.C. I'm intrigued. I mean, this this is a game where I feel like because their defense has been so 
uh, toothless so far in DC in terms of just not having the the threat or the risk or the uh, the presence they had last year. It seems like again the Bucks should win. I think they're they're like a nine and a half point favorite on the road right now. I think they'll score with ease. I, I'm curious to see uh, if this defense can clamp down and take care of Washington's offense. I feel like uh, Washington probably has a lot of the same injury problems that the Bucks have had on defense. And you think about not having fits since the opener. Uh, obviously, you've barely seen Curtis Samuel at all. You mentioned Logan's also been hurt. So th- they're kind of getting that unit at much less than full strength. Offensive line, I know you've been dealing with injuries there too. Um, so I think it's a game that should take care of. I mean, I, I, I probably feel more comfortable and confident about them being able to win up there now than I did in the postseason uh, last year. You know, I mean, Heineke obviously made that a game. If, if, if he does what he did last time, in terms of extending plays with his legs, scrambling, uh, beating them with with runs. I mean, he really – I mean, a big part of why they stayed in that game was him converting on third downs, making plays. Um, they've got to contain things better because they didn't do a good job of that last time. I'm sure – I mean, it's almost everybody back from that game, so it'll be fresh in their minds. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, I guess as much as anything, these these next two, the Bucks, uh go to Washington and then they're home against the Giants on Monday night the next week. Two games they should win, so it, it feels like a time that could be like a get-right window for this defense, especially the linebackers in the middle, to really kind of get back to what they do best. But I don't know if they'll do that or not. All they really did against the Saints was was have a ton of penalties, and that killed them. I mean, they had six first downs on defensive penalties in the New Orleans game, so they got to clean that up too. Right. As they, you guys are coming, it's not this, this, it's not Tampa Bay coming in like, yeah, maybe they overlook Washington. No, coming off a loss and a bye, right. and, and they slip that stew over a bye week. Um, so I, I would imagine, that, you know, for a team that's got hopes of getting back to the Super Bowl, this isn't the game you overlook. This is a game where you, like you said, to try to to try to get right. Um, l- lastly, I have a non-football sort of question, but it's a Tom Brady question. Sure. Uh, obviously, you've you've had him now for the last you know season and a half, whatever, and clearly it's a lot of fun. Not even just the Super Bowl, but all the everything else that kind of goes with covering our you know our, the guy that a lot of people think is the greatest quarterback ever, greatest player ever, what have you. The thing that's interesting to me, and I've oh, in the Brady versus Manning argument, I was always on the Brady side, even before that he piled up the Super Bowls and made it a, a one-sided affair. But I feel like Peyton Manning was clearly the more popular of the two. Um, part of that was I think people just hated New England. And also right. part of it was that Peyton Manning was fun, and he was funnier in the Saturday Night Live stuff. And just in general, he seemed to be – a better personality, whereas Tom Brady was a little more guarded and reserved. But it, I don't know if it's solely because he's away from Belichick, but clearly, you know, it's like he's like trying out like Aaron Rodgers may want to be host of Jeopardy. It feels like Tom Brady wants to be the next host of the Tonight Show when this is over. He's done a lot. I mean, his, his bits are really good. And like the, the the hit rate is really high. It feels like it doesn't feel like these jokes are forced. So I guess my wonder is, I don't know if, you, if it's a thing, but like, what, how, what is going on here? Is Tom Brady, like, he can't be this naturally funny. I'm assuming he's got writers or something. I mean, he's on top of everything. What, what's the, what's going on here with his, both his social media game and his just funny in general? What, what's, what's up with this? I think he definitely has people helping him out in the social department. Um, and that you're right. He's funny, but he's probably not that naturally funny. And the guy can probably afford uh, a couple writers if he wants it. It's funny. Like, we're lucky. Obviously, you get Tom Brady, you get the wins that come with that here in Tampa. But in talking to, like, Boston media, we're really fortunate in that he's so much looser and laid back and comfortable talking. I mean, I think when I think about Brady in, in New England, he was so measured and careful and um, 
you know, an extension of his head coach to some extent in terms of what he said and especially what he didn't say. So we kind of wondered when he came down here, like, I mean, Bruce Arians is probably about the opposite on the spectrum of coaches and personality and what they're willing to say. Bruce, you have to, you know, kind of ease up on the expletives. And that's about all you have to ask for as a reporter. And even now at the athletic, obviously we can write kind of everything he says. Um, So you didn't know whether Brady would, you know, pick up on that or whether Brady would somehow bring Bruce in or something like that. It, it's been really neat in that Tom, especially on social media, just the silliness of him doing subway ads. He's doing Hertz ads now. Um, you know, I think for a while there, the only ads he had were, were like high end watches and vitamin water types. And, and now the fact that he's poking fun at himself uh, when he goes on, you know, your, your late night talk shows and James Corden and stuff like that. He's been really comfortable and I think it's helped soften him. I think the people that, like you said, the people that despised him because he kept winning championships in New England, it's like, well, this guy's actually, he's kind of closer to a normal guy. I mean, he's got half a billion dollar uh, net worth and a supermodel wife and, and obviously lives a whole different life than what we're used to. But I think we've seen him um, in terms of interaction with his kids, that he's just another dad like we are. Um, you know, I, I think it's helped him to, Kind of, it's hard for him to be an everyman, Tom Brady, because he has seven rings and and the career he's had. But I think in terms of of helping a city and a new market relate to him, I think he's done a really good job of connecting and, and kind of being, you know, letting his Florida man come out a little bit in the short time he's had in Tampa. I'd like to think he's such a competitive guy. I like to think that he looks at the at the at the at the at the tail of the tape, him and Peyton Manning, and the right. only box that Peyton Manning has over him right now, definitively, is the off the field, like the, the, the fun, funny guy, right? I think Tom Brady's going for that. I think he's doing what he can do to get that box off. I, I, right. I, he'll, he'll, I predict he hosts Saturday night live. Maybe he's waits till he retires, but that that's going to happen. And he's going to do another thing. Like he, like he wants that box. He wants at least that one to get to such a point where it's at least even enough or close enough that, you know, he can be like, see, I got, I got all of it. This is my head where it's going. I don't know if that's true, but I like to imagine. No, I, think, I mean, you saw him, he was on the, the Manning cast, you know, yeah. and for him to, to guest on the Manning cast and, and be ripping jokes, talking about defensive players being like dogs chasing cars. I don't know if he helped himself there much, but I think it just shows Again, it's like he's kind of he's kind of moving towards Peyton, if you will. I mean, Manning is so likable and naturally funny. And uh, I always feel like Peyton is just remarkably comfortable being himself, being self-deprecating, joking with whoever he's talking to. And for the longest time, it seemed like Brady, again, was just very careful and guarded in everything he said. Even even when you got him on, on an interview with somebody he had a good, long rapport and relationship with, just really careful. So... I think he's letting his guard down a little bit. And, and obviously I think for fans, that's nice to see. Um, it's nice to see you here. I appreciate the time, Greg, go follow Greg on Twitter at Greg Allman, a U M a N uh, check out his work on the athletic. He's going to have some, I'm not going to tell you what, but he's going to have some things coming up this week that you're going to want to uh, keep an eye out for. And obviously we'll, you know, you want to follow him during the game on Sunday when you want to know what's going on from the Bucks end, uh, follow Greg and he will tell you. Uh, sir, I definitely appreciate it. And uh, I will see you. Uh, I will see you in a not sweaty press box. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks again for having me. All right. Many thanks to Michael Phillips, Steve Wino, JP Finley, Greg Allman, and everybody here for checking out the podcast. Uh, we will see what happens this week. I mean, look. As we said, it's hard to see a world in which the Washington football team wins this game, but I didn't mention at the top the Bucks have a bunch of injuries 
as well. Uh, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown among those not practicing. I don't think Antonio Brown's going to play. I don't, I'm not sure about it. And so we'll see about how, how it all shakes out for them. But, um, you know, they've got some injuries as well. That said, they've got Tom Brady. They've got a, a plugged-in roster, a veteran group that understood as their head coach implored to them at the end of last year, congrats on winning the Super Bowl, but when we show up again, that year is over. We're starting at the bottom. They are at 6-2, and two, leading the NFC South, a Super Bowl contender again. They get that message, which is a lot easier when you have a guy like Tom Brady, who's back to being an MVP candidate yet again at Washington. These are among the lessons that Ron Rivera is trying to impart. Um, it's not just on the players, of course. It's on everybody, including the coaching staff, the front office, to figure out how to get all this done. But right now, the 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 the, the next step is facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. I'll be at FedEx Field, and we will see what happens. All right, but that's it for this episode of the Standing Room Only podcast. Ben Standing signing off. Until next time, see ya. <laughs>